Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golson. It is Thursday, August 1st. What season is this in the church year? Uh, season of <laughs> Pentecost, season after Trinity. Or is it the other way around? Oh, no, I think it's the season after Pentecost and season of... I don't remember. I just go by the color on the altar. Oh, man. <laughs> it's I mean, the it's green not, season. It's not green all the time. That's true. There are a few like, are minor festivals. Days. Yeah, a few minor yeah. festivals in that time. But uh, for the most part, it's the green season. What do we sing? What do we reflect on in our hymnody during this time? Joining us by phone this morning, Matt Mockamer, Associate Cantor at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Matt, always a joy to have you with us. Thanks for jumping in to be our guest and look at some good hymns. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. So, hymns of the green season, because we have no idea what season it really is, because there are too many names for it. Um, what, do you, what season do you call it there? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I usually refer to it as the season after Pentecost. Um, but I've heard, like Sarah was saying, I've heard people call it Trinity, or the season after Trinity, the season after Pentecost. Um, and some people will call it Pentecost season. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really, you know, just the one day. So we're kind of in this really long, ambiguous, growing, green type of season of the church, which, like you guys said, is dotted throughout with kind of minor feasts and festivals where we remember certain things and folks and what they did. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that extended long green season. I have to admit, when uh, organizing the music here by liturgical season here at the station, we did, (laughs) um, we lumped uh, all of them into many of them into a category we call Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty much anything that doesn't yeah. have an alleluia right. or is not Christmas. Yeah, right, right. That's <laughs> right. Well, we have some Lent. We have we pulled out the Lent oh, in music, true. too, we although it, it overlaps as well. So let's take a look at some of your favorite hymns. Uh, shall we go to, are we going to look at 536 first, One Thing's Needful? Sure, yeah. I, I purposely just, um, I was looking kind of at LSB and thought, well, let's talk about just a few of the hymns in the Redeemer section. Um, you know, and I, maybe this is just me, but I always kind of gravitate towards hymns that I think are a little less well-known just because there's a, a fun opportunity to talk about them and to teach on them a little bit. So, you know, I think some of these hymns this morning will be applicable to this time of the church here. Yeah, yeah. So the Lutheran Service Book 536, One Thing's Needful. I think a lot of us probably uh, sang this, I don't know if that was last week or the week before. In the last two weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah this was like, it was the theme of, of the one thing needful. Yes, yeah, and that was one of the reasons that I chose it, because we also sang it at my church, and we have not, you know, this is probably not on most people's like, oh man, this is my top ten, we have to do it every year. Um but it's certainly worthy, I think, of our time. Um, you know, just looking at the hymn, uh, probably like you guys just mentioned, one of the most striking things about the hymn is that there is this stanza, stanza two, that's very much directed to the story of Mary and Martha. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're talking about Mary's thoughts devoted to her eternal joy, intent on each word she noted at her Savior's feet. Um, you know, contrasting that with Martha when Jesus visits both of them, who's running around the house trying to get everything ready. And Mary, who seems to be kind of uh, lazily ditching all of her work, instead to just kind of recline and listen to Jesus. Um, But yeah, many churches, I hope, had the opportunity to sing this a couple of weeks ago when we had that reading. Um, Another kind of interesting 
thing about this particular hymn is I think it's the only hymn that I can think of that has a tempo change in the middle of a stanza, <laughs> in the middle of the melody. You know? I just noticed so that. That's, yeah. kind of, that's kind of fun. Um, you have to have a very confident organist <laughs> who's very consistent with what he or she is playing to be able to pull it off. But right in the middle of the hymn, you move from kind of four beats a measure into three beats a measure, and the tempo increases. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's a very striking type of sound and very unique. I can't think of another hymn that's structured that way, musically speaking. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about this hymn. And I hadn't, I haven't studied the text to see, but is there, do you know if there's a, um, a, a, a oh, the words, um, <laughs> a, an em- emphasis change when that meter also changes? Um, like from going from a, a more subdued part of the part of the uh, stanza into something more joyful. I haven't actually read through all of the text to see on my own. You know, I haven't looked specifically at that, but just kind of doing a cursory reading here, I think there probably is some sort of a correlation between those two things. Yeah. Um, and you see at least there is kind of an obvious phrase ending before that tempo change every time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is often, it seems to be a shift in the text, moving from one idea to another or from a lesser to a greater, or like you said, from something that's a little bit more, maybe more full or introspective to something more joyful. Um, this text was actually written um, by um, a man who died really at a young age, Johann Heinrich Schroeder. Um, and he was kind of, he was a Lutheran, but he was a pietist. He, he kind of um, existed and lived at a time in Germany where pietism was beginning to take over. And there was this kind of strong emphasis on your feelings and this subjective uh, way of viewing Christianity in the faith. And this is an excellent text, but you can see that one of the strengths of this text is that it, it really kind of illustrates the own believer's receptivity to the word and how that affects him. Um, and so you can kind of see some of that leaning as you read through the text also, which is which is an interesting component to the melody in the text. Mm-hmm. Minor trivia here, but this is, since you brought up the, the age <laughs> of, of Johann Heinrich Schroeder, uh, you know, the, he, he was fairly young and, and, and lived a short life. If you look at the, the tune as well from Adam Krieger, oh, wow. also only 32 yeah. years old. And we're both 32, which means I'm, I've outlasted them already by a couple of years. <laughs> Let's take a look at hymn number 541. Yes, absolutely. Um, this is an interesting one, too. Um, all of these hymns in the Redeemer section, I think, are really appropriate especially when you're thinking about the gospel readings in the green season, because most of the time throughout the season, we're either hearing Jesus doing one of two things. Either he's healing people, casting out demons, you know, exercising his physical and spiritual authority over the powers of darkness, or he's teaching and he's catechizing his people. Um, And so here at 541, away from us, the demon cried, you have, a really interesting text and tune that gets at the first, the first kind of activity of Jesus in the green season. Um, again, which is healing diseases, casting out demons. Um, really kind of interesting text by uh, Herm Stemsley, who just died a couple of years ago. Um, and then a spiritual melody 
uh, by Harry T. Burley, who um, really was kind of instrumental at bringing some of um, the old spirituals into the church and making them singable, introducing the church, the wider church, um, to this kind of wealth and treasury of African-American music um, during the 20th century. Yeah, this one's always a fun one to sing, and I don't, I don't think we sing it uh, super often. Um, but it is, it is interesting to to sing hymns that are very specific about um, a very uh, a certain uh, Bible story that that might be in a reading or something. A lot of, a lot of, uh, I don't know. My favorite hymns are, you know, about baptism or justification or some some concept of doctrine. Um, but these that yeah. are are so specific to a, a certain instance, um, it's a nice uh, paraphrasing maybe of of a story that we know really well. Yeah, and if you kind of think through. Um, all the Sundays, I mean, just think of all the Sundays where the gospel reading, where you hear of Jesus, you know, going to a town, um, and, you know, they bring out a demon-possessed man, or he runs into a demon-possessed man, or Mm -hmm. my daughter is possessed by demons. I mean, it's all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing that I like about this hymn is that it starts in kind of this narrative style. You know, away from us, the demon cried when Christ the Lord drew near. Our dark, disordered world is lost when you, the light, appear. So we're thinking maybe specifically about what's happening in the reading. But then, as you move through the hymn, then it brings it back to you. Um, and while, granted, we probably don't run into those things in such an overt way, perhaps um, as several thousand years ago, um, the demons, in, in that sense, are no less real, and their activity is no less real. Um, but we perhaps, maybe we experience that in different ways. You know, drive out the doubt that cripples faith, expel our pride and greed, that we from powers that threaten us may, by your grace, be freed. So Jesus continues to do his work of driving out those evil forces in our lives that prevent us from, from believing, from hearing his word, from receiving the gifts he has to offer. Mm-hmm. We have just under a minute left. Do you, <laughs> do you want to go on to 552 or, or say anything else about 541? Well, I'll just think maybe really quick about this one. And this one is very, very specific. Um, but 552, it's another Herm Stemfley text, Herman Stemfley. Uh, the tune composer is my colleague here at the seminary, Kevin Hildebrand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's really interesting about this hymn, again, very specific. And this one even more specific than the last one. But this hymn gives a narrative and kind of um, a summary of Jesus raising the dead. He raises the dead in every gospel. There's at least one story of him raising someone from the dead. And this hymn has um, a text that fits with every one of those gospel instances in each of the four gospels of Jesus raising someone's son, daughter. It's just a great hymn that I think... Should be sung more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Mockerman, Associate Cantor, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Thank you so much, for Matt, for being our guest this morning on the Coffee Hour. You bet. Thank you, guys. Enjoy the green season. <laughs> Thanks. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.